Welcome to the GLMX podcast series, where we explore key structural and technological developments across the global repo markets. Hello, I'm your host, Jeremy Grant, joined by GLMX's Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder, Glenn Havlicek. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Anil Jaglan, Founder and Architect of Adroit. Prior to launching GLMX, Glenn spent 22 years at JP Morgan as the Head of Global Liquidity Management and as Chair of the Liquidity Risk Committee. He established GLMX in 2010 to provide a more efficient option for institutional traders to trade money market instruments. Anil has over 20 years of experience leading fintech development and architecture teams at buy-side firms, including Bridgewater, Saracen Energy, and Amaranth. Anil founded Adroit in 2014 to help reduce transaction costs and eliminate operational and regulatory risk when trading OTC products. Anil, um, if I may, let's kick off the discussion with you. Um, I'd just like to ask you a fairly high level. GLMX and Adroit announced their partnership in July. Can you explain the relationship between the two and the benefits that this provides for market participants? Sure. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Glenn. Yes, so we announced the partnership in July. At the highest level, what we are doing, what GLMX is doing and what Adroit is doing is basically for our clients, we want to reduce the cost and risks. And so the costs come in two, two flavors, like operational costs and transactional costs. So we are both focused on that and we'll get a little bit into uh, you know, how we do those things. And the second one is the risk, which is the regulatory risk of reporting you have. And then just the pure operational risks, like your trades didn't settle, you didn't clear, and you didn't do it on time, your repos didn't roll on time, and so on. Those are the two big things that we are both trying to solve. And together we can do it better because we have uh, slightly different focuses on the workflow side of things. So we, Adroit is primarily focused on the internal sides of things on the fund. So like if you're a large asset manager or hedge fund, you have a lot of internal processes to manage your positions, do the repos every time you trade, or maybe you want to do it overnight and so on. So they're like, you can call it internal SPP, if you will. Basically, the internal processes and how PMs and traders are are thinking about positioning themselves and how they're taking risk and then sort of leveraging it up, like through repos or financing or putting cash to work and so on. So that's the internal side that we we fix. And on GLMX side, they do the external STP, which is basically to connect to the marketplace. Dealers who are willing to price, uh, you know, provide sort of prices to these trades and then compete them and trade with them and electronically, you know, uh, clear the trades and settle them. So that's the external STP. So together, we form a very complete and good picture. So that's why we decided to do, do this partnership. Glenn knows more than anybody else how complicated repo market is. So that's where it makes sense. Great. Um, Glenn, just from your side of, of the coin as well, just uh, fill in some color there in terms of how you see the relationship and the partnership and what they bring it brings to market participants. Sure. Uh, first, Anil, thanks for joining us uh, today and to Jeremy from Paragon for hosting and moderating. So I largely agree with uh, what Anil had to say. Um, I think I'm going to tell a quick and hopefully funny um, anecdote. So there's a movie that I like to watch, and and basically it's about regular people uh, having to go into space to um, to solve.
solve a huge problem for humanity and they're just regular folks. And one of the protagonists says, uh, wow, this is beautiful and stunning and amazing and, and look at the uh, environment around us. And the other protagonist turns to him and says, yeah, and this is just the beginning of outer space. And I echo Anil's comments, but I also think that we're just at the beginning of a process, an ongoing process to make repo and prospectively other products easier to negotiate, easier to process and easier to report both internally and externally. And in order to do so, connectivity between and among systems is critical. Uh, and I think that Adroit and GLMX are uh, just at the beginning stages of outer space. There's a lot for us to do uh, to that end. I think it's interesting to add one note, which is I think the reason that we began our conversations about uh, partnership and alliance is that a mutual client, uh, which is one of the largest, very largest uh, hedge funds in the world, um, asked us to do so. And as someone who's running a business uh, where things that we are doing have not been done quite the way that we are doing them before, um, having the additional thrust of clients asking us for this kind of uh, interoperability or whatever you want to call it is extremely powerful. So we're just at the beginning uh, and clients are, are eating it up. So, so we're happy to be in this situation. Uh, well, thank you, Glenn. And I am particularly grateful that you took us to outer space so early on in the podcast. And I'm going to stay there just for a second, um, because clearly, you know, you're both partnering to help streamline securities financing workflows, the repo market in particular. Is is it would it be right to think of the repo market is like the final frontier, uh, as it were, in terms of the kind of um, you know streamlining in this way? Is it kind of like the final frontier? Would you look at it that way? Um, so uh, I would say we have said in our early marketing efforts that the repo space uh, is the last uh, major market which has very little, if any, um, electronic trading capability, meaning that the vast majority of transactions have been done in a, in a more traditional way, which is by phone or by email or by messaging. And when you put into context that repo is a multi-trillion dollar, frankly, I think it's multi-tens of trillions of dollars when um, when everything is added up globally, and there is no, there has been no real centralized electronic interface available allowing both uh, buy side and sell side to engage each other, to negotiate, uh, and to execute transactions, which would be done on the JLMX side, and then to seamlessly process and capture data internally using the, the adroit interface. And I think that the combination of those um, is where we're going. And as I said earlier, I think we're still very early in that process. And I think the repo, certainly by virtue of its size and its existential importance, um, is the last frontier. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anil, can I just um, turn to you? And um, I'd just like to ask you what you think are some of the main key pain points you're seeing in global repo markets, especially as most people have been forced to work remotely during the, the pandemic. How can these be addressed, do you think? You know, as, as Glenn said, like repo is one of the least electronic markets. So there are 
abundant pain points even before the pandemic. So there's like, you know, the, those are the things we're trying to solve together, which is the STP aspect of it. Can you describe what you're doing in repo properly so you don't have, you know, wrong trades being done? And can you, you know, sort of do book it to the right funds and so on? So there are like plenty issues in repos before even getting into the, the COVID phase. And once you once we got into this phase, so like there are some obvious things that everybody's noticing in this in this phase. And then there are some subtle things that I'll talk to you about. So obvious things are that people are working from home. So the screen real estate isn't there. The more performant applications will win out over the, the older and slow ones, meaning like, you know, the cloud delivered applications are having benefit and so on. So that's obvious, like everybody's seeing that the old school monolithic way of doing things isn't working because people are, you know, sort of decentralized now. But there are like some subtle things that are also happening, which which you will see like, you know, the uh, catch up. So some of those are like, you know, the, the reason, especially at the large funds, the reason they had a trading desk and that they had policies around like where you can trade from and so on. You cannot trade from home in many big places that I know of earlier in the, you know, last year or so. Because there are compliance and there are like, you know, market color that traders share among, share among each other that is helpful for trading. And now that you're working remotely, that thing isn't there. You know, your trader cannot like turn around and ask somebody about like what's happening in that market. So there is the market color that used to be present in the trading desk that is not present anymore. So there's got to be another ways to share it. In my opinion, what that leads to is that like, you know, you have to have systems that will carry that market color. That could be type of analytics that, you know, GLMX provides like what, what is going on in the overall repo market. And there are like some things we do that what are other traders doing and where are other portfolios being positioned uh, you should know of before making the trade and so on. So the basically the market color that was like present in the chat, uh, you know, basically when you can turn around and talk to the next trader has to go back into systems and get systemized. That is like, you know, it has to be part of your trading workflow. So that's one thing. Right. Other like, you know, is leads to the, the compliance issues. Earlier, it was okay. Traders were uh, sitting there and trading on a desk. If they had a question about, can I do this trade or not? This looks a little bit iffy. They can just turn around and ask. So now that thing isn't there. So then, you know, systems have to be sort of more streamlined and more compliance friendly. So the things that were like sort of soft barriers earlier have to be hard barriers and have to be more intelligent. I mean, I guess there's a flip side to this, which I'll turn to Glenn, which is how has the global pandemic affected the uptake of repo trading technology? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's a, you know, I think it's a central question as well. So I, I would say uh, a couple of things that Anil just alluded to. So when the COVID pandemic uh, hit, uh, or shortly after it hit, and when it became pretty abundantly clear that uh, the traditional work from the office or even work from disaster recovery was not necessarily going to work in an environment where the basic idea was to keep people apart, essentially, required a rapid deployment to to work from home. I mean, I think about, about this period of time, and, and I think that um, if you look back at previous pandemics, I think the one, I think I have this right, but the, the, it may have been the Black Death that wiped out upwards of 25% of the human population, certainly in Europe and also in other places. I think uh, people were motivated um, to do whatever possible to avoid that kind of mass casualty. So that meant rapid deployment. 
It also meant decentralization of disaster recovery. So, you know, it used to be that you'd have an office in New York or you'd have an office in London, and if there was a power outage or a storm, you could go somewhere uh, in a different area or a different state away from the coast, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and everybody would, would show up there and things would proceed as necessary. But in this case, disaster recovery essentially became decentralized. And I think that's a critical variable. And I think it's a, a critical development and one that was powerful enough, and Anil alluded to this as well, powerful enough to overcome what was absolutely taboo, which was trading from home. Um, people right. were able to to communicate from home. They were able to you know, work in various businesses in the financial services sector, but trading from home was completely taboo. And I think that happened. It happened quickly. And once that happened, market participants, salespeople, and traders, it was only that they realized um, what they were missing in many ways. And when combined with the idea that if you're going to manage risk, if you are the trading risk manager for a big financial institution or asset manager, if you have a bunch of folks trading remotely, the only way to, to maintain risk discipline, because you can no longer look over someone's shoulder literally, is to have a central uh, technology nexus, which allows those people who need to see what's going on to see what's going on and to report it effectively. So I think um, I call it expansion by necessity. So we had a pretty good critical mass, uh, in my opinion, of moving to an electronic model for repo, but without question, um, based on, on my thoughts and also based on our client flow and perhaps Anil's as well, um, that accelerated dramatically uh, for those reasons. And Anil, would you agree that, or would you say that that's actually irreversible now? In fact, either of you actually just it'd be good to get your your view of this decentralization you talked about, Glenn, um, and the forced decentralization, if you like. Either one of you, Anil, Glenn, is this irreversible? Do you think? Yes. So I'll add one more thing to the to the thought. Actually, this change, the big shock, as as Glenn said, that you know tied over the the taboo, it happened to the largest of funds. So earlier, like small funds and even medium-sized ones, traders would, you know, you had set up to trade from home because, you know, they just have to have the coverage and so on. But like the larger ones had just a strict policy. You cannot because of, you know, various reasons we described. So this change is actually starting from the top. Usually these, these sort of technological changes start somewhere from the middle. That like, you know, larger ones are going for those changes early on. They want to make sure like it's fully baked in and so on. But this technological change that's happening from work to home type of setting is is affecting the largest ones more than the small or medium because they just had that setup. That having said, this is irreversible, I think, in my opinion, because this is like once you get used to it, like, you know, people are finding ways around it and they're like, you know, trying to solve whatever is, is the hardest problem at that point in that scheme of things, certainly to me, it's irreversible. And it is like, you know, the, we don't have anything in sight to say like, would it be fine next month or so? So, you know, the businesses have to plan for much longer term in that case. They are, the large funds that we speak to, they are planning because, you know, nobody knows certainly. Jeremy, can I, can I just make one comment about that? Or is it irreversible? Um, Absolutely. Because I've done, I've done a bunch of thinking about that. Um, and when we were when we first uh, started uh, GLMX 
as you may know, we actually started in Palo Alto, California, which is the home of uh, technology, if you will, and also of, of uh, venture capital financing. And in our discussions, uh, getting the company started in Palo Alto, there was talk very early on of something called Tipping Point, which um, I'm sure everybody is familiar with. And the notion was tipping point behavior being that once you reach a tipping point, a process becomes irreversible. And I thought about that a lot. And I was thinking back at one point to uh, when I was working at uh, J.P. Morgan, and we were doing an analysis of the euro dollar futures market, which at the time uh, was extremely important, and I think continues to be extremely important to management of interest rate risk across the spectrum. Um, and I did research on it. I did an analysis um, myself, which looked at the evolution of electronic trading in euro dollar futures. And the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, Exchange had been very early um, at providing an electronic, an electronic option uh, called Globex for euro dollar futures. But the use of electronic execution of euro dollar futures had hovered around for years, literally for years, like three, four, five years, around five or six percent of total execution. Um, and then some circumstances began to change, and the move from five or six percent electronic to 97 percent electronic, if my memory serves me correctly, took all of about 18 months. Kind of like that's where we are with repo, that we've hit that tipping point, and once it gets going, and there are other examples, it goes uh, and doesn't stop and doesn't look back. Yeah, I think that's that's a very interesting example you raised with Globex, because I think it was if memory serves, it was uh, not unrelated to the um, uh, the effort that uh, Eurex, the Deutsche Börse Futures Exchange, was coming forward with at the time to take on the Chicago exchanges with an ele- with electronic trading because there was so much had been done uh, in the pits, and there was a reaction to that in the Chicago markets, which you know rapidly electronified a number of products, which no doubt you were very uh, you you lived and breathed that at the time. Um, but that's a very good example. I um, I think it, it does sound like there is a Malcolm Gladwell tipping point uh, moment from what you're saying in terms of repo. Let's just switch though to um, a technical aspect of this, a little bit in a little bit uh, narrower focus question. Uh, sticking with Glenn, if I may, and then we'll come to Anil for another one. What are what are some of the challenges of implementing streamlined data reporting solutions for repo workflows? And what will happen to workflows if participants fail to implement these solutions? Uh, that, I think, gets uh, gets to the heart of the Adroit and GLMX partnership. I look at this issue, this problem, this challenge, having three components. And at the risk of being overly, I guess this would be uh, assonance, uh, capture, coordinate, and channel. First of all, you got to capture the data. And and that happens at the point of negotiation and execution. Um, and GLMX technology captures literally every entry, every every keystroke entered into our technology is captured. And so those data are captured negotiation, pricing, back and forth across multiple variables. Uh, so that, those data are captured. Second is coordination. So SFTR, uh, Securities Finance Transaction Regulation, I think I got that right, <laughs> which goes live for the with, for the buy side next month uh, in October of 2020 requires that transactions be matched and that's the coordination part where what two counterparties need to make sure that what they are are reporting um, matches 
what they are sending off to uh, repositories, trade repositories. And that leads to the third, which is channeling, which is once you've captured the data, once you've made sure that there are matching transactions, it needs to be channeled. And that's where connectivity to, let's call it, other systems, uh, like Adroit in this case, other systems which have a different focus, uh, certainly a slightly different focus, but in the same market as GLMX, uh, to have that connectivity. Because in the absence of that connectivity, it is very difficult to have an unbroken chain um, that captures all three of those aspects um, of reporting. And I'm not, I have been there. I'm not sure if any of you have. Um, but, you know, the question about what happens if you don't report accurately, I'm not sure if any of you have sat across uh, the table from a regulator who wants to talk to you about failing to report. But, but I've been there and, and you don't want to be there. Um, so I think it's, it's critical in light of these regulations and that there is a chain of events, uh, which the Adroit and GLMX partnership helps to address effectively. And of course, that regulatory scrutiny is not going away um, really ever. So uh, having those capabilities sounds like it's very important. Anil, just quickly to you, um, choice, uh, and we're going a little bit back uh, back on ourselves here with some w w remote working environment uh, conversations here, but choice and flexibility are two things that both Adroit and GLMX provide customers, obviously. Um, why are these such important factors in helping clients with their operations, especially in the you know, working from home environment? So we have like a similar philosophy around, you know, you got to you got to focus on your client and not, you know, in, to make a platform successful, you need to satisfy a whole lot of people. But like then whoever is your end user shouldn't be neglected in that process. So that's where, you know, the, the choice to them, meaning how they can trade, you know, there are many ways. If repos could be traded, many counterparts that could be traded. And so you don't want to limit them in any way possible. Then there is the flexibility aspect of it, which is there are these workflows that different funds have. Like, you know, they might end up trading the same same asset, but they have like different reasons to trade it, like some for financing reasons, some for leverage reasons, and so on. Then there are, you know, more complex workflows that they have. Somebody wants to roll a repo, you want to do a package of repos. So those are the kind of things that, you know, we do very well. GLMX does very well, you know, that the complex uh, sort of trade packages and how do you make sure it's reported correctly? How do you make sure it's broken down correctly and booked back to the funds where it came from? So, you know, if you were to do a simple repo, you could certainly call somebody and, and, and do it on the phone. And probably it'll be, uh, you won't be competing enough dealers. You won't get the right price. You would not have the market color you should have before making that phone call, but you can do it. But then like, you know, let's say there was a break in that process. So how are you going to fix it? So that's where like, you know, the, the, the sophistication comes in and connectivity comes in, which is maybe you can do the basic case in a, a, what we call happy path. But once it's not a happy path, when the markets are volatile, when the, when the trade is a complex structure, so how are you going to deal with it? So that's where, you know, the flexibility, having connected to systems that think in the same ways that like, okay, we are here to solve a very difficult problem. We are not here to solve just the basic booking problem. So that's where we, okay. you know, we, we work very well and like our thought process is similar. I, I was going to add very briefly that um, it's an interesting problem because the repo market, as I said earlier, is, is gigantic and it's growing. Um, and it's a critical market. Uh, it's a short-term financing market. And, and as we've seen many times in the history of financial markets, if you 
get short-term financing wrong, there can be horrific uh, results. You know, we saw that in the financial crisis. We've seen it many times um, in, in the past. And repo is one of those markets where you have to get it right. So people have developed processes, and they're very tightly wedded to those processes because they work. And at the end of the day, what's most important for our clients, and I, and I dare to speak for Adroit's clients because many of them are the same clients, they need to get it done. And so when introducing technology into an environment like that of existential criticality where processes work but not efficiently, technology, in my view, has to do two things, absolutely has to do two things. It has to improve the process, meaning it has to be more streamlined. Uh, and the second thing it needs to do is to make itself or be made to be very easy to adopt. It's very difficult to ask people to, to trade, to change rather, two things at one time. So the, the, the single thing that we're asking them to change is how they do what they're doing well already. Uh, and technology has to be overused term as user-friendly as possible um, to break down any barriers between the sort of concern or fear or anxiety about getting their job done in a critical market and the use of technology to do that. That's a, that's a delicate dance. Absolutely. Well, look, um, we are almost at time, but I just wanted to um, ask you both to lift your eyes to the future. We've, 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 de we've looked um, back to the Black Death. We've looked to outer space um, uh, and kind of almost to continue the, the thread. Cast your um, minds forward about five years into the future, if you would. And I'd like to hear, and our listeners would like to hear what your predictions are about how the repo landscape will evolve over the next five years and what will be the key drivers. Um, maybe, Glenn, if you can uh, pick that up and then I'll give the last word to Anil. That sounds fine. You know, the funny thing is, and I think both Anil and I have done this, is when you start a company, you kind of have to get, you have to get thinking real quickly about the future and not just one iteration of the future or one step in the future, but several steps in the future. Uh, because as you're moving markets and, and other companies are moving as well, but you can't get stuck in the future. You have to execute for today with an eye to the future. So this is, a, I suspect, a, certainly a question that I ask myself, and I suspect Anil does the same. So my very quick thoughts on that are that I believe there will be two major classes of things that will happen. One is the improvement of technology from engagement negotiation, execution, processing, reporting, things like streaming prices. So in other markets, I mean, you think about a high-speed market like the equity market, there are streaming prices that are done in milliseconds and sometimes even less, I guess. So that's, that's uh, one that I see in a couple of our sophisticated clients who are already moving to streaming pricing, where an inquiry comes in from a client to automatically price. I think data availability uh, which is an interesting uh, discussion because people tend to be pretty proprietary about their data. But I think there is likely to come a day uh, when people realize that broad availability of data uh, is a good thing for everybody involved. And in fact, I think it was just today or maybe yesterday that the OFR, the uh, Office of Financial Research, which is um, the U.S. regulatory think tank, um, is increasing the publication uh, or increasing the uh, data published out of the repo space. 
And I think that also leads to a notion of an expansion of things like SFTR. So I think one broad uh, efficiency enhancing, streamlining, uh, and, and, by, and by definition, making more cost effective people's trading activities and uh, selling activities. Uh, I think the second broad category is that technology which exists in the repo space, like GLMX technology, can expand to other fixed income asset classes, particularly front-end fixed income asset classes. I've always been of the view that front-end fixed income, short-term fixed income, overnight 30-day, 60-90, six months kind of thing, are pursued by a specific denizen, someone who is engaged across the front end of markets. So I think one will be the improvement and refinement of technology, which I discussed, and then also the broadening of that technology to other instruments within the, the broad money market. Okay. And, and Neil, would you like to take it away? Yes, I think uh, Glenn certainly has very deep insights into that future of the repo market. And you know, I think I agree with all the, all the themes that he uh, you know, mentioned. So I think broadly, it's, it will be the same, which is there is no doubt it will get streamlined, electronified prices and so on. Like, you know, is it a matter of two months? So he gave a good analogy around the euro dollar future. So, you know, it could happen very quickly. It could happen in five years. So that will happen. There's just no doubt. We are at the tipping point. There are the forces there that like just doesn't make sense to people how the current world is. And so that will happen. And the second one with the with the analytics and data that you mentioned, that you know, with the reporting and like OFR reporting it, the regulatory reporting coming in, that will get people's attention. That like you know, there is a data that they have, and so we work with our clients where they do analytics on the internal data that they have, like you know the you know dealers they have interacted with, you know, and you know what has their behavior been and so on, and and what other trades that they have done. Then there is a lot of global data which you know, GLMX has like around all all interactions that are going on in the world uh, in, in those markets. Then there is like related markets, like other short-term financing markets or like Fed fund rates and what have you. So so all of that, you know, will become more and more useful to people because we will go through like, you know, various volatility in this market. Like, you know, as, as Glenn mentioned, like during the financial crisis, like, you know, repo market was all over the place. And so that would potentially happen, you know, and certainly there'll be, you know, rates going up and down. So there will be volatility there. So there is that preparedness people would want to have that like, are we going to be able to handle it? Are we going to be able to, you know, predict the behavior at that time? So the analytics helps, like it certainly helps day to day and helps in the much more in the volatile markets. Thank you both for your five-year predictions there. You've been listening to episode one of the GLMX podcast series. Uh, we've been talking about secure and efficient repo workflows in a remote working environment. And I've been talking to Glenn Havlicek, CEO and co-founder of GLMX, and Anil Jaglan, founder and architect of Adroit. Thank you very much for listening. 